Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, this is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Ravely. And this is another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Well, yes, uh, this is an important one because this episode and the next two actually represent some homework. Uh, Eric read a book by David Coises called Political Visions and Illusions, a survey and Christian critique of contemporary ideologies. Mm. He said, this book I just finished was so fabulous, Scott, you've got to read it. And so he gave me homework. I was reading it on the beach. It, it you didn't tell me. me that. That even makes it better. <laughs> of course it's good if you're reading it on the beach. No, Anything's no, I'm saying good it was so good that even though I was at the beach, oh. I was still reading this book. <laughs> makes every book better. Yeah. Anyway, let's just say I read it after surgery, so it wasn't near as good for me. But nonetheless, I uh, took your advice and read Political Visions and Illusions, and I also thought it was fabulous. Mm. And so we are going to spend three episodes really talking about at least this and it'll probably <laughs> influence future ones it already has influenced ones we've already done actually mm-hmm. but it's uh, really helpful and uh, and the reason it's helpful i just want to say is that when we started the city on the hill podcast we wanted to um help ourselves and we want to help listeners to better understand how their faith interacts with their politics how the church interacts with the government and uh, this book we found to be extremely helpful in asking certain questions, different questions than I've ever been asked before, and mm. it provided good answers. And so essentially, th- these three episodes are going to be our attempt to pass a little, uh, pass along a little bit of what we've learned. And um, so we're going to, uh, we're going to try and figure out, or at least talk through why, uh, what an ideology is, and how it uh, influences the way that we think. And um, one of the things, Eric, that you mentioned is that a political ideology is often something that we bolt on to our Christianity and we don't really think about it and right. we don't really know where it comes from. And, and as I was reading this book, that's really true. I mean, I, there are some things in here I'd never thought of before. Mm. And so that's, I think that's a good observation. And one of the reasons that we think it's worth um, essentially opening the book and doing a book report on this but, um, you know, the, the essence of it, I guess my, uh, my way of thinking about it is without any kind of a form or without any kind of a shape, the ideas that we wander into the world with are more like blobs than they are like tools. Mm. Seems to me that if we can fashion it in a certain way, it becomes a tool that we can use to help explain or understand the world. And one of the things that this book does so well is it gives definition and clarity to some ideas that gives us handles so that we can actually use those ideas uh, as tools when we interact in the world. And so Mm. that's what we're really going to, that's what we hope to do in this Mm -hmm. podcast. And so I'm, uh, I'm really, I have to admit this, it's homework, but I'm thankful that you uh, encouraged me to read it. And uh, it will really probably help me 
uh, to review and think about it as we talk it through. So um, why don't you just get us started? And we're, like I said, we're going to take this in three episodes. And so the first one is sort of the introduction to what uh, ideologies are about. But why don't you start it yeah. off, Eric, and tell us what you thought was so great about it and why uh, we need to think of these ideologies. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, I thought it was so great because it digs so far into what ideologies are, which ones are most prominent. We'll talk about those in a later episode. But digging into where are the causes of these ideologies, what does it assume about the world, and then realizing in my own, oh, I've bolted one of these ideologies on, never thought about it. And just, oh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to just include this into my worldview and not give any thought to how it actually affects everything else because um, they, they are tools. And if we have the proper limits on that tool, we can use it well, but otherwise. Well, that and I think they come from somewhere. So, again, definitely. this is the thing, probably if anything I've learned during this podcast is <laughs> our ideas come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I never really realized that I, I had some. They didn't have much form, but I had some, and I didn't give any thought to where they came from. And he does a good job, I think, of of uh, explaining where they come from too. So, so ideologies uh, at a very basic form. We, if you recall, this was I don't know, maybe episode four, five, six. We were talking about the redemptive story, the Christian redemptive story, and we there is a redemptive narrative in Scripture and ideologies necessarily give another narrative, an alternative narrative that is often different than the one um, Scripture gives. And if if you are submitting to or giving yourself to a redemptive narrative that's different than the one Scripture has, um, we, we generally call this Id- idolatry. <laughs> that's, that's the definition, which is kind of the striking claim of the Koizis book, really. Mm. Um, but let's let's well, talk. Go, go, go. I mean, say more of that striking claim. The striking claim is that political ideologies, the things that we think politically, are actually an alternate, a redemptive narrative. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a gospel narrative that is creation, fall, redemption, consummation, mm-hmm. you've got a narrative like that for your political ideas. In other words, what was it? What's it supposed to be like? You know, right. at the beginning, what's the problem with it? What's the fall? Uh, how is it going to get saved? Mm-hmm. And what's it going to look like when it's perfect? Mm-hmm. Basically, is that that's the arc that the gospel tells us tells a lot about Jesus. And then we have these ideologies that uh, tell the same story with different notes, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They attempt they attempt to play a similar melody. Yeah, that's, that's better. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, so just definitionally, there's a Skidmore definition. That's the one Koizis mentions in the book. Um, an ideology is a form of thought that presents a pattern of complex political ideas simply and in a matter, manner that inspires action to achieve certain goals. So there's there's a practical application to an ideology. Um, it Sometimes we'll use worldview for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Okay. That's a good that's good. Uh, a good comparison, but an ideology, it's, 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 it's simplifying something very complex. It's very, it's a complex system. Humans organized government is complex. The world is complex. Uh, You necessarily need a story to explain it. And every ideology will provide a story 
Um, here's, here's a way to simply think about the world, and there's a particular end to this story, and there are particular, not particular, but practical applications to this ideology. So in general, ideologies are not um, just high-minded theories that sit in ivory towers, and we just ponder them, but we don't really apply them. Ideologies are applicable. Well, they, they do two things, right? They simplify mm-hmm. what we see in the world, mm-hmm. and then they help us act in the world. Mm-hmm. So there's an action orientation and a simplification, which I think is important because that is one of the things that gives it shape because most of us have a blob of political ideas mm-hmm. that are shapeless because they haven't been simplified. Mm-hmm. And so what what happens with an ideology, that's kind of why he's talking about ideologies, is that that simplifies the idea in a way that you can get working handles on right. it so that you can put it into action. Right. And it's also important to know that it, it is a response to a current life situation. So the mm-hmm. ideologies that we're most likely to interact with are going to be ones that um, most respond to the situation we live in. So the ideologies that uh, Koizis writes about, because he's writing to a Western audience, he's writing to... Um, a modern audience, he talks about, uh, let me just pull those up, he lists out liberalism, conservatism, nationalism, democratism, socialism. Uh, There are obviously other ideologies, uh, monarchism, or we we talked about aristocracy or different things like that in the past, but that's not generally uh, the applicable response to our current life situation. But these five things are. We talk about these all the time. We know we know people have just already had mental responses to the five ideologies I just mentioned because they are uh, stories that are trying to apply to the situations we live in every day. So, yeah, current life situations. The uh, yeah the the ideologies themselves. Eric listed them. We're going to do that in the next episode. Right. Let's go one by one. Partly because the names that he mentioned will surprise you that the the actual historical meaning of some of these words hmm. is not the way that we normally use it, which stressed me out for a long time <laughs> and probably will stress you out, listener. We're going to do our best to try and be clear. But uh, the reality is that these ideologies present this redemptive story, this uh, this you might say gospel narrative or Mm. I like the Eric mentioned the gospel melody, they play a gospel melody, but with different notes. And that's the thing that um, we'll see as we go through is that yes, there, all of them have a problem. All of them have a solution. All of them have a, an ideal outcome and they only partially reflect. And I think that's probably fair to say Mm. only partially reflect what we would hope for in a biblical gospel narrative. Right. And I think that partial reflection is key. So uh, there's an I pick an ideology, doesn't really matter. It is a response to the human experience. Uh, it will likely grab something that's probably a good thing, a good aim, a good end, and then uh, magnify that beyond the applicable form of that good. Uh, so it becomes... A lot of these things are centered around human humanity um, at the, at the exclusion of God. So there's, it's almost like a human-centered religion that's going on in most of these ideologies. And take a good—I th- mean, humanity is good, 
God, God made humanity, called it good. But if we go, actually, the only thing that matters, the only thing in existence is humanity, and we are the pinnacle of everything, we have just excluded God from that story, and now we will emphasize, uh, emphasize humanity in a way that makes a broken story, which doesn't have that full melody, that full song in play. So, yeah, let me just uh, step back a minute, because we would naturally think you said an ideology is like a worldview. It'd be easy to say that uh, a worldview is humanistic or secular. Hmm. But what what um, this book and what we're going to say in the next couple episodes is that all of these ideologies are secular or humanistic. In other words, hmm. there are it, it's too broad to say there's a secular worldview or a humanistic worldview because the uh, liberalism, the socialism, the conservatism, the nationalism, all of those are humanistic or secular in nature. In other words, they have replaced the, the living God mm-hmm. uh, as the Savior with something else. And so, well, with something else that is human in origin, mm-hmm. so that they, that they become, you know, multiple variants on humanism or secularism. And I think that that's something that we need to own up to because mm-hmm. I think that's a temptation that we're trying to push against with the city on the hill right is we see the church just saying yes I want you know I want to resist tyrants and you know have this political agenda or I want to uh, have this political and we we gravitate one to you know one direction or the other and we end up borrowing humanistic or secular solutions that are in essence uh, underpinned or built on a godless um, solution, mm. and that's what all of these uh, ideologies we'll get to next next time uh, talk about. And they all come from this humanistic spring, and I just think we have to we have to point that out in pretty clear terms, right? Because that's what makes them uh, false. They have this redemptive narrative. But they become idolatry when they replace the narrative of the good news of Jesus Christ. Right. And so they replace it, sadly, with uh, with people or human solutions. And we get into trouble there, for sure. Mm. So. Mm. And I I just want to point out that there's the, the gospel song, as it were, and we are so, we hear so many other songs all the time. And if we are not careful in our hearing, we will be attracted to some other song and all of a sudden, wait, I, I, these two songs need to jive and I will, at the expense of the gospel song, the true gospel song, I will, we already talked about it, but um, use scripture to defend this alternate song that I've gained. And that that's not just a temptation that happens all the time. And especially when we give our... Uh, give ourselves in discipleship to or allow others to influence us when their primary song is not the gospel song, the evangel- evangelion, it's something else. We're going to just, that, that's the song that's going to be stuck in our head. And when forced to defend that, um, that narrative, that song, that ideology, well, I have this Bible thing. I'm going to bend Bible so that I can defend uh, this ideology that I've now preferred because 
I've, I'm invested in it. I, I think it's a pretty good way to look at the world. Um, and we gotta, we gotta pull those things apart. Any of these, any of these ideologies are going to have helpful notes that, um, can be emphasized, but if they are the sole story, the, uh, the paramount story, then we end up jettisoning gospel for, for ideology. That's not near as comprehensive, um, not near as saving salvific as, uh, as the gospel story. So, so any, any ideology sets itself up as a redemptive story. Um, I think one of the, one of the really interesting things he quoted, Koizas quoted Newbegin and he said, uh, Newbegin said, Leslie Newbegin said, the preaching of the gospel seems to be the precondition for the ideologies as the announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ paves the way for the possibility of false messiahs, messiahs to promise another path to salvation. So that's just fascinating to me. We have Jesus, the, the true Messiah, show up, proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. This is a new way to, I mean, he's proclaiming a re- revolutionary thing. And then ever since then, we've had false stories, false gospels come up. And here's another way to save the world. Here's another way to save the world. Um, which I don't know. There's something not foreboding about that, but I just read that and thought, oh man, that's, that's super interesting that we've had, we've have ideologies. We have false salvation stories um, that have been uh, perverting the form of Jesus and what he did at the, since 2000 years ago. Yes. And I would be, I don't want to say more complimentary, but uh, without being really negative about that, though you can because it's, that's what makes it idolatrous, uh, the, the story that we have in the gospel with the creation uh, of uh, humankind in God's image, the fall into sin, the uh, salvation that comes through Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and then the establishment of his kingdom and everything being made new uh, is is a it, it is such a uh, important and unusual and grand story mm-hmm. that it is borrowed all the time sure. see i think that's one of the things that again i'm always trying to think about from a christian point of view what it is that we have that we underestimate and we underestimate the glory of the story that we enjoy mm-hmm. I mean, we've. I was. I was thinking. You. You were thinking politics because you're. Uh, you're like on task. You're. You're describing this, and I'm thinking of the Avengers movies, mm. which have almost exactly the same story pattern that we have here for entertainment's sake. Not for. You know, obviously, it's mm. fiction. It's not going to save the world. It's the same story, though. You have this creation, fall, redemption, restoration story mm-hmm. in this. You know, sweeping narrative that is totally. In you know entertaining and enthralling, mm-hmm. and that's borrowed. Mm-hmm. It's borrowed from the story that God has given us in Jesus, and it's entertaining. These stories we're talking about that are ideologies are also borrowed, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're hitting the same sort of thing with uh, that that the gospel does, but not quite, you know, uh, adequately enough. Right. So I just think that just the framework of the story is worth us acknowledging that. Yeah, we <laughs> we own a pretty terrific story. Here. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and that's a good point. The we can use it for entertainment. That form of story, that that basic form of melody, mm-hmm. resonates with our souls. So that's why ideologies fit so so easily in our yep. hearts. That you could say, 
um, we're playing that melody. Oh, I, I know that melody. That melody needs to be true. That form of song needs to be true. And it inspires. We're listening for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, even if it's slightly off or slightly emphasized the wrong way, or it goes minor when it's supposed to go major or whatever, um, I know it's almost like we innately know that form. There's something desirable about it and redemptive about it. I think that's, that's probably the, the bigger point. Um, so an, an ideology necessarily has a redemptive story, um, ec- echoing or um, deforming or changing mm-hmm. or doing something like the gospel story. And because an ideology provides a separate story, that's where we get into the potential for an ideology to become idolatry. Um, this is taking something that God made, and we there's going to be a bunch of different examples, but taking something that God made and raising it to a level of prominence that replaces God. Um, so every every ideology, this is Quasis, is based on taking something out of creation's totality, raising it above that creation, and making the latter revolved around it and serve it. So we're, we're looking for a story that informs all of life. And if I take this particular story and take something out of creation, raise it up, I'm creating an idol. I'm creating, I'm making something created and saying, this is the thing that's most prominent. And I necessarily take God out of the picture when I do that. Well, we've actually talked about this several times in the first few episodes, making something that's not ultimate to be ultimate Mm -hmm. is the essence of idolatry. The same, and it can be a thing. It can be an image of a snake or it can be the image of whatever, or it can be an idea. And that's kind of what he's talking about. If we made these ideas mm-hmm. ultimate, and uh, it's just exactly what Romans says, um, taking the creation and replacing the creator with the creation, and that's what uh, that's what's happening uh, here for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it it makes sense. Like you you ponder Romans one, we're we're a worshiping people. We are designed to worship our creator and when not worshiping something we've talked about this before um we're we're not worshiping god we're gonna go worship something else whether that's another god whether that's actually forming um a a literal idol out of something material um the form of other other creatures or going i love this idea i love this thing i love this way of organizing the world uh we we have to we're, that's innate in us. We have to do that thing. Um, we have to serve a God of some sort. What does, who is this? How do we say that? I, I, I had a great way of saying his name, but I can't remember it now. Uh, oh. Was it Goodsward? That's probably the right way to say that. I'm going to let you do it. Goodsward. There we go. Um, he had three basic biblical rules. Everyone serves a God of some sort. It's just true. Whether that You may even make yourself the God. It's, it's just that innate in us. Everyone is transformed to the image of the God they serve. So whatever you decide to elevate to the level of God, you are going to become like that thing. And if you if you happen to worship the God, that's going to be good because you're going to be more like God. Um, and then people structure their society in their own image. So this is just in us. We're, we're worshiping things. We um, are designed to do that. And when we don't worship the the creator God, the redeeming God, the one that gave us the gospel story, we will create ideologies that have us worshiping something else. And because we are 
creating creatures, we will necessarily structure society around um, ourselves, around the God, the thing that we've decided to worship. So that that's just helpful for me in thinking about what, why do ideologies do what they do? Uh, it's just innate in the in the way we've been designed. God designed a, a worshiping people, and He also designed a creating people. Um, he created us, put us in a garden, go. Um, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over this thing that is creation. Uh, we are designed to create and, and form institutions, form uh, get grouped people. Um, and if we move our worship to something else, that will necessarily affect the way we group people. And I, ideologies are a good example of that. Um, Augustine described it another way. Hearts are restless until they rest in God. So there's that where your heart ought to be directed peace and a commonwealth is uni united by shared objects of love. Hmm. So um, if we're loving God, we're going to organize the commonwealth around that love of God. But if we're loving something else, we're going to organize around the thing we love. And often the things we love are defined in our ideologies, in our other redemptive stories. Maybe not often, maybe every time, actually. That's probably true. And that's kind of why we're talking about this yeah. book. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's, um, that's probably uh, something that we have to come to grips with and, and why, these, why this is an important conversation mm -hmm. is because we do this every time. Mm -hmm. And we, actually, why don't we save that uh, the political tool, left-right piece for the next time, and that'll be maybe an introduction to ideologies mm. and just get to the... So what? So why talk about this sure. piece right now? Um, so what? we're going to have some labels for ideologies next time, mm -hmm. and they're not going to be the labels you expect. That's kind of why I thought we'd say this other piece. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, some of them are just opposite of what you think they are, and it's your mind's going to be blown. It's going to be awesome. Tune in next time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, just as you're thinking about what is it i think go ahead and read the news mm -hmm. go ahead and watch the news i mean we don't we discourage it normally but go ahead and watch it and w ask these questions there are several questions that coisus gives us about how to evaluate or think about your ideology eric do you want to go ahead and yeah kind of go through those so so you're watching the news or maybe i read one of them or, or you just have in your mind this is my preferred a set of ideas about how the world ought to be organized or how the world can be redeemed. Um, ask the first question, what is the creational basis of the, those set, that set of ideas? Um, can you even answer that question? Do you know where they came from? Um, what facet of God's creation have they rightly focused on even as they have effective, effectively deified them? So that's kind of the taking a good thing and making it a God thing. Likely, whatever your preferred ideology is, it's likely pointing towards some good, but that will be overemphasized. It's going to overemphasize that good, that thing. Um, so what is that? Can you piece that out of your own ideology? Um, so creational basis, I, I think we could even take something out of the news here the last couple mm -hmm. days. We've had a Supreme Court um, uh, has taken up a, an abortion uh, case and... There are creational, on both sides, there are creational bases. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we only think of like the one side, right? We say, right. 
well, yeah, we're creating God's image, therefore life is precious. Yes, there is a creation. That's bingo. You found mm-hmm. the creational basis. Mm-hmm. What's the ideology that would, you know, be really upset about Roe v. Wade being overturned? Mm-hmm. There is a creational basis there too, mm-hmm. that is based in, you know, somehow also an image of God in with respect to freedom or with respect to the individual uh, yeah autonomy mm-hmm. or individual or something so even that even though you know some of you would say those guys are like out there mm-hmm. or whatever i mean i i hope that you are um more thoughtful and more kind in your discussions than uh that though i've been part of these conversations for a long time and recognize that they get heated really fast but I, th- I think it also helps us argue if mm. you know, or disagree. That's better. Mm-hmm. Helps us disagree if we understand, yeah, there are things that people are believing who they believe it differently than me, but it also has a basis in creation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because some of us think we have the only basis in creation when we have an idea of our own but they're mm. really the reality is competing ideologies also have a basis in creation right anyway right uh so the second question of your preferred ideology that you should be asking of this ideology what does this ideology see as a source of evil any redemptive story necessarily requires uh, a, a source of evil and something to be saved from um, something to get rid of so any any ideology that you have there's going to be something evil in it and can you name it do you know what that thing is what is the thing this story says we can save from this um in every story has one mm-hmm. so that's the the second where do they where does the ideology locate the source of salvation and what redemptive story um, does it tell? Again, that's the story. There, there's there's going to be an evil. There's going to be a way to save us from said evil. And then thus, you, with that idea, you can put together this whole redemptive story. You, you do notice already, right? Even in these questions, you notice the narrative flow of the great story. Creation mm-hmm. is the creational basis. The fall is the source of evil. Mm-hmm. And then the source of salvation is redemption. So it's the same. Mm-hmm. These are the same things we're talking about. But I just want you to see them right. in the questions, right? right. And, and one more, from that first question, the creational basis, any redemptive story will talk about the assumptions of what life was like before things were broken, before the evil showed up. So there, it may be maybe a, a ideal, uh, a realistic view of how things were before things were broken, and it may not be, but there's going to be something, it was like this, and then it was broken because the evil showed up, and now there's going to be a means of salvation from that evil. Um, next question, which inconsistencies have led to internal tensions within the ideo- ideology itself? So I'm, I'm sure you're really good at pointing out the inconsistencies of other people's ideologies. Um, but <laughs> you probably have one and just work at what, what inconsistencies are here in this one? Um, cause that'll, That'll point out the brokenness of the story, too. Well, and I, I think that that's a really good practice all of the time. Because, you know, if you want to have a conversation with anybody that doesn't, that isn't you, how's that? Mm. And you're going to try and have a meaningful conversation or, you know, change their mind about something. Most people desire 
in some regard anyway, to be consistent and to have the pieces of what they believe fit with one another. Right. And when that doesn't happen, we get really like right. uh, uh, ups, uh, upset and, and discombobulated. And in being able to see that in other people is helpful. Being able to see that in your own you know, belief system is important as well. Mm. And so that'll also help you communicate then with humility right. when you communicate with other people. But but the reality is that there are inconsistencies. And uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I won't spend the rest of the podcast pointing those out to me. <laughs> but, but part of me wants to. Nice. Part of me wants to say, oh, yeah, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this inconsistency? Yeah. And then finally, to what extent is the ideology able to account for the distinct place of politics in God's world? And I really like this question because it assumes there is a place for politics in God's world. There is a place for the governing of the polis, uh, the organization of the polis. And ideologies provide a basis for that governance, for that uh, that organization. And it can't be... We got to get rid of all of these ways of organizing. There, there has to be a spot for a distinct place for uh, politics in God's world, because he he established governments. He established ways of organizing. Uh, he established the need for organizing. So you're just basically trying to reverse engineer and say the world needs organizing. Mm-hmm. Okay, how does this ideology explain? Mm-hmm. You know the organization or the desired organization of mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. So you're just basically trying to to work back from the fact that we need organization to right. okay, what's the ideological underpinning right. for how that's going to happen? For instance, if your if your ideology is anarchism, there is no organization, and the story is complete autonomy aside from everybody else. Okay, there's there's no place for for organization with other fellow image bearers. Um, this could be a pretty broken ideology. They might not mm-hmm. work out. So that's that's a more obvious example, but look at that for your own preferred or, or whatever whatever you're watching on the TV because we gave this homework out. We're, we're watching the news. Well, it, you know, it's there in the news. It's also there in entertainment because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're... Uh, <laughs> we, we started watching Designated Survivor and they're... There is a whole anarchy piece there that is huge. Mm. When you say that, I'm just like, yeah, that's totally what I'm watching for entertainment. But uh, thankfully, it's I'm watching the world burn. <laughs> thankfully, it's fiction, not real life. But um, it would be bad if it was real life for sure. So, so ask those questions of yourself, of your own ideology, of do this little homework assignment. Um, and I know for me, it was helpful. And this may be just the really big nerdy piece of me that wants to understand how all the foundational things work and how all the organizations work before I can even say, yeah, I, I think this. I have to dig pretty deep before I'm willing to stand and say something like that. Um, but what was helpful for me in, in working through these type of questions is realizing, oh, I kind of default to ideology A, B, C, D unthinkingly. And that's the... That's the concern. That's the problem with citizens of the kingdom defaulting to an ideology that that tells a different story, that tells a different redemptive narrative. And if we're not careful, again, we're going to spend our time defending that non-redemptive narrative um, when we have the redemptive, the new kingdom coming redemptive narrative. And I just want the ambassadors of the kingdom to realize when they do that swap. 
mm-hmm. and don't leverage the kingdom for the defense of an ideology that is deficient. Well, and I do, I mean, I, uh, I default to this unthinkingly, you said, and then I have problems that I don't recognize. I think mm. that's some of what you're trying to get at, is that when, when I depart from the gospel and borrow a political ideology or a different political vision, I have inconsistencies, mm. I have blind spots, I have broken parts to the song mm-hmm. that I don't recognize or that I somehow think are the real gospel story when they're not. Mm. And that's that's we're hoping that you know, we're doing this right. exercise in part to tease those apart so that every time we just think a little more clearly about what is the church, what is the gospel, what is the real story, what are we really, what's the church really called to do in this world, mm-hmm. and n- not to conflate it or confuse it or tangle it up with these other political ideologies. So, um, yeah, I we'll put these uh, questions in the show notes so mm-hmm. that you have them and can ask yourselves uh, those things when you uh, entertain yourself or when you're watching news mm-hmm. or when you're even just uh, having a moment to think a little more deeply about the world. Sounds good. We'll, we'll continue on this track. Uh, so to not miss the next episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us if that's an applicable action. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review would go a long way to getting this to other people. And share it with a friend. If you have questions or if you have comments about how nerdy this was or how deep it was or, guys, this is way too much, you got way in the weeds, or this is awesome, dig deeper, uh, let us know. You can send us an email at podcast at newlifenw.com. And with that, we look forward to the next conversation.